Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, May 2nd, 2022. It is simply an unfortunate reality that we live in a world where evil people do evil things. And that's the way it's it's always been going back, you know, since the early days after the fall. And that's the way it always will be until Christ returns. So how do we live in such a world? How do we navigate such a world? What do we do with our own hearts in such a world? Uh, that is the question that really all the passages we look at today are going is are going to touch on in one way or another. Let's start with 1 Samuel 21 and 22. Uh, this will help set the stage, especially for the Psalms that we will go and read. Uh, but Chapter 21, I would say, is one of David's not-so-finest hours. As we find him here, he's on the run from King Saul, and it says that he comes to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. So he goes to where the tabernacle is, he comes to Ahimelech the priest, and if we're being honest, he, he's not truthful. He does not give Ahimelech the truth. And that's going to end up being a big problem for Ahimelech. So we see David not being honest here, and that comes back to hurt someone else because he says that he is on a mission for the king, a secret mission, a mission where he is in haste and he needs help. So Ahimelech helps him. He gives him you know, the bread of the testimony. He gives him the sword that had apparently been staying with the tabernacle, the sword of Goliath. And he gives those things to David, uh, and David then keeps keeps running. Uh, and then we see David do something else that I don't think is his best moment. He goes to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, this would have been a Philistine king in a Philistine city. And when they realize, um, isn't this David who's killed a bunch of Philistines? Uh, David starts to act like a crazy person. In verse 13, it says, So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Akish said to his servants, Behold, this man is mad. And so he lets him go. And that's where, again, this is not the totality of the story of David. Most of what we see from David is incredible faith. And we'll even see that from the Psalms that are connected to the reading today. David was not perfect, but overall, he was a man of faith. And hopefully that encourages you as you see, well, my faith certainly isn't perfect. And there's times where I'm afraid, maybe when I shouldn't be, but I will come back to trusting the Lord. And then we see in chapter 22, we see people coming and gathering to uh, David. And then uh, we, we see the very sad story of Saul discovering that one of the priests has helped uh, David. And so he goes and clearly in his anger, he orders all the priests to be killed. Uh, and he rebukes Ahimelech and Ahimelech is saying, well, I, I didn't know what was going on. And David, you know, he's 
he's a good guy. Look at verse 14. Ahimelech answered the king, and who among all the servants is so faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house? Um, is today the first day I've inquired of the Lord for him? He's saying, hey, how was I supposed to know any different? David is is one of your top guys, and he comes and he asks me to help him. I, I've always helped David. Why wouldn't I help David? But the king says to him, you will surely die. And then he tells to a guard to kill the priests, but this guard will not do it. Good for the guard, right? I'm not going to kill the priests of God. But then he says to this man named Doeg, you turn and strike the priest. And apparently Doeg is the guy that ratted out the priests in the first place. And he turns and he kills 85 persons. This is a tragic story, right? Uh, It shows you the great wickedness that envy and jealousy can lead to, right? Uh, Saul is doing something that is horrible. And and this guy, Doeg, well, he is an accomplice now. He is going along with it, doing something that is clearly wrong. This is a sad day in Israel, but Abiathar is one who escapes and comes and tells David. Um, and, And so there we see this sad story. We see evil people doing evil things. So how how do we process that? Uh, that's where the Psalms are going to come in and help us today, as some of them are explicitly connected to these events. Uh, the first Psalm is Psalm 7. Now, Psalm 7 tells us it's in connection to something about Cush uh, the Benjaminite, and that's one time that you know we look at First and Second Samuel, and we have a hard time identifying exactly what instance that may be talking about. But some of the material could lead us. I mean, Saul was a Benjaminite. Was this another person helping Saul, possibly? But we see um, just some similar concepts that are uh, coming to this. We uh, see David here in verse one of Psalm seven seeking refuge in God. Um, But then he calls for God to act. Verse six, arise, O Lord, in your anger, lift up against the fury, lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you over it return on high. And it calls God a judge and calls him to judge the wicked. And, And verse 11 is an interesting verse. It says, God is a righteous judge, a God who feels indignation every day. God has a righteous, holy anger every day toward sin. And then verse 12, this is a song, a verse we don't really put into a lot of modern worship songs. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword, right? He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons. It speaks of the judgment of God and how he will return the mischief of the wicked upon their own head. So that's one way we process. There's wicked people doing wicked things. We trust God is a righteous judge, and he is going to judge that sin. But that also should make us start to check ourselves and realize, "Eh, I'm part of the problem with evil people doing evil things because I have done evil things. And that's where you see, and we'll see this in other Psalms, David uh, really calling out to God for protection. Uh, and he even says in verse three, oh Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust, right? David is, is seeking to steer clear of sin himself. And so that's something that 
I think we should all take note of and say, hey, when it comes to the evil problems in the world, I need to realize, God, I need forgiveness for my own sin. I need a righteousness that only you can give me. But then, God, I want to live out that righteousness. I want to live differently in this wicked world. And then we go to Psalm 34, and this one we see is explicitly connected with when he pretends to be crazy before the king uh, there in uh, among the Philistines. It says, it's a Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. And here we see again some themes of God being a refuge for his people. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. So there again, we see God is a refuge, but also we see there's an alternative path to the wickedness of the world. And that calls us to fear the Lord and to follow him. And what we see from the rest of the Psalm also to worship him. And finally, we see in Psalm 52, this one is explicitly connected uh, to this killing of the priests. It says there at the beginning of the Psalm, uh, it is a song that was written when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. And there you see David in response to this says, why do you boast of evil? O mighty man, the steadfast love of the Lord endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See, this man would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. So there we see in that psalm that that He knows judgment will come for this man. But for those that take refuge in God, uh, there is security. There is even peace for them. So as we put this all together, there's evil people doing evil things in the world. How do we process that? Well, we look to God uh, as our refuge. We look to God as judge who will judge the wicked. And so that should bring comfort to us, but it should also bring a change in direction for us that it should cause us to seek the righteousness of God. I don't want to be joining in the wickedness of this world. I want to be pursuing God and his righteousness. And when I'm doing that, trusting in him, pursuing him, I can say, even though there's a lot of wickedness in this world, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I'm strong and stable because I'm trusting in the steadfast love of God. So that's where the wickedness in the world doesn't need to to shake us unnecessarily. Although it can be painful and frustrating at times, we can find strength and stability in God. And our final passage from the New Testament really connects on this same theme because it gets us thinking about the judgment that is to come. It talks about when Jesus returns, he will separate basically the sheep from the goats and he will welcome the righteous in to heaven and he will condemn uh, the wicked. 
And so here we see an eschatological judgment. And so let this passage be another reminder of God is going to judge the wicked in the end. And it should really make us think, well, what side am I going to fall on, the sheep or the goats? And realize it is not our good works that save us, although clearly we see in Matthew 25, there are good works that were evidence of faith in God. It is our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. And also, if you get people that try to tell you, oh, I don't really believe in hell, or I don't believe that the Bible teaches that hell is forever, maybe one nugget, one thing you can learn from that passage in Matthew 25 is the very last verse when it says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Well, just about every Christian is saying, oh yeah, heaven is forever. Heaven is eternal. Note how verse 46 seems to say, hey, these things are are symmetrical. The, the, The wicked, they're going into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Just like the life is eternal, the punishment is eternal. That's one verse that that teaches, I think that maybe in one of the most clearest ways out of any verses in the Bible that might help you if you end up in those conversations. But the bigger picture here, God will judge. And may God, through the good news of Jesus Christ, help us to be ready for that judgment. May we live differently in light of the coming judgment. And may we also find peace and stability in a world that can so often be full of wickedness. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.